0: Our Gospel reading is from the book of Mark, chapter eight, and it is a beautiful passage of proclamation. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked the disciples, who do the people say I am? And then answered him, John the Baptist and others. Others, of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. Beautiful intro to our preaching text today from the prophet Jeremiah. Starting with verse 14, the prophet speaks, And this is the name by which it will be called, The Lord is our Righteousness. For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. And the Levitical priests shall never lack a man in my presence to offer burnt offerings, to make grain offerings, and to make sacrifices for all time. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. These are your words, O Lord. Your word is the truth. Lead us into the truth. Amen. So today, dear friends in Christ, we find ourselves meditating on this notion of hope. But as I was preparing to preach today, I, I really found myself perplexed about hope. Like, I really had to stop and think, what the heck is hope anyway? Which is, which is weird, right? Because I'm, I'm a pastor, and I'm supposed to be in the hope business. Um, if I don't know how to define hope, how am I supposed to help people find hope? Now, I, I don't want you to worry about me. I'm not having some sort of existential crisis or anything like that. Um, but I'm just struck how often we confuse hope with other things. Sometimes we use hope as a synonym for wish. Like, I hope you have a nice time in Iowa next month. Right? Or other times we use it as a a synonym for just like optimism. Like, I would like to be a more hopeful person. But I'm not sure that either of those uses of hope really captures the essence of that word. Neither is hope the same as faith or joy or happiness. And I just found myself thinking again and again that there's got to be something fundamentally different about hope. Something so compelling and powerful that that we cannot live on this earth without it. Hope is, after all, one of the most towering Christian virtues. It has to be more than a wish or, or an attitude. That just kind of established what what hope isn't, Mr. Preacher. Um, You still haven't answered the question of what hope is. Well, bear with me. I don't have a definition exactly, but I do have a story. A story of a moment that I experienced a powerful hope. A story from my not-too-distant past. A lot of you know that in April of 2018, I had open-heart surgery to replace my leaky aortic valve. Now, I'd known about this leaky valve for a couple of years, and I'd been consulting with a surgeon for a couple of months leading up to that surgery. And then all of a sudden, it was, it was time. That moment arrived. Now, your first thought might be that my moment of hope came as I was preparing for that surgery during that time of of waiting for surgery, preparing for surgery, getting all those details in place, uh, to be on medical leave, that that would be a time when when I would find hope. And and maybe, maybe. Um, I had confidence, certainly. I had courage, great support from my family, from this congregation, from from the broader community as well. I had access to fantastic medical care, Um, the best surgeon around, as far as I'm concerned. Um, And maybe maybe there was hope to be found in all of that. But still, the story that came to my mind of powerful hope, the essence of hope, wasn't found in in those moments. It It would come just a little later. The powerful experience of hope, for me, would come a few days following surgery. While just beginning to recover, still in the hospital, I had a profound experience of darkness. I don't don't know exactly why, but without warning, I just suddenly found myself completely overwhelmed by the challenge that lay in front of me. Surgery had gone well, no complications. I'd been able to do everything the nurses asked of me. I woke up early that day and took a short walk with the help of Um, of my nurse and it felt good to walk after being confined to bed for a couple of days even though I, I really couldn't go very far but when I got back to my chair in my room that's when everything just changed my emotions my whole being it was like the weight of all of it just washed over me it was like I suddenly realized I was on mile one of a million mile journey and I couldn't even begin to comprehend how I was really going to do any of it. My, my body hurt in a way that it had never hurt before. A 25-foot walk exhausted me. I was an emotional mess. Um, and my nurse could tell that something had suddenly changed. I was pretty cheerful on the walk. And then suddenly, like a switch, I was just a different person. And she asked me if everything was OK. and uh, the tears were coming down my face, and I don't remember exactly what I said, but I think I said something like, uh, I'm just a little overwhelmed. Which is so North Dakotan of me, by the way. <laughs> a little overwhelmed. Is that like being a little pregnant or something like that? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Kelsey was my nurse, and she was so compassionate. She saw, she saw the tears on my face, she brought me some tissues, and she just said to me, feeling overwhelmed is, is very normal and that I didn't have to figure it all out today. Just find a way to take the next step. She didn't try to talk me out of my sadness. She just assured me, in the midst of my sadness, that I wasn't alone. Um, It still gets me, even though. um, I had all kinds of reasons to be optimistic. I was in a state-of-the-art hospital. I just received a brand new piece of amazing technology surgically implanted by um, the best heart surgeon in the world as far as I'm concerned. I had great support, like I said, from my family, from this congregation, from the community. But it wasn't really until, despite all of that, despite all that good stuff around me, that I found myself in a deep, dark hole, that I really discovered this thing called hope that small ray of light that assured me, yeah, it's dark, but it's it's not completely dark. In that moment, God's abundant love for me, made known in a compassionate nurse, took root in my darkened soul. So for me today, that's, that's how I want us to understand hope, this fickle thing called hope, that tiny, barely perceptible glimmer of possibility that we can only see when life gets really dark. At precisely the moment we need it the most, hope is that thread of a lifeline when you find yourself dangling over that metaphorical chasm. It's that wisp of holy wind that blows past your soul when you feel like everything that matters to you has been lost. (laughs) Which brings us to our reading from Jeremiah 33 today. Finally, you're thinking. Uh, There's no doubt about it. These words from Jeremiah 33 are are full of power and promise. The days are surely coming, says the Lord. A righteous branch will will spring up. That that echoes some words from the vineyard song from Isaiah a few weeks ago. Judah will be saved. Jerusalem will live in safety. And, And they're all magnificent words, But in order to understand them and how powerful they are as words of hope, we have to read them in context. As Jeremiah speaks these words, Jerusalem had just endured a year, a year of being besieged by the mighty Babylonian Empire. And before that, God's people endured centuries of of terrible leadership. It was a dark and bitter time for God's people. Some of that bitterness caused by their own faithlessness, their own mess-ups, right? Some of it because of the actions of the rich and powerful around them. So Jeremiah isn't just speaking some nice words of warmth and encouragement, you know, like, don't worry, be happy, or something like that. He's speaking God's word of light to a people in profound darkness. They had nothing. All was lost. They had been conquered. Enslaved, hauled away, it was over. Their future wasn't just bleak, it didn't even exist. But into that void, Jeremiah speaks a word on behalf of Almighty God, a word of hope. Even though it seemed that this was only a time of despair, Jeremiah says, again, on behalf of Almighty God, things are not what they seem. Their future wasn't non-existent. In fact, it was beautiful. There would be a king again. And in in fact, by faith, that king was ruling even now. Jerusalem will not be in ruins forever. It will once again be a place of refuge and safety. Now, there was no rational reason for God's people to believe any of these words. But there was the promise anyway, providing that tiny, tiny ray of light in a sea of profound darkness. These words of God are words of hope, powerful, trustworthy hope. Which brings us to, well, us, I suppose. Here we are in the season of Advent. And isn't it beginning with a bang? <laughs> but this season of Advent is a season in which we are bold to believe in a light more powerful than our present darkness. And oh my, how our lives can be filled with darkness. There's literal darkness, of course. It's dark when we wake up. It's dark by 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And when it's daytime, it's often cloudy and dreary, or it snows like a foot. Hmm? (laughs) But even more significantly, of course, there's that metaphorical darkness. Our world's full of things like hunger and anger and division and struggle. There's a real and powerful farm crisis in our region. Political turmoil in Washington. Maybe you've noticed, Um, right? Shootings in our in our schools. Human trafficking. uh, War. And, And boy, we haven't even gotten to the struggles in your own personal lives, right? Health struggles, financial struggles, family struggles. They're all around us. And this season before us is. Full and overwhelming besides, the calendar just flips to December today and I bet you already feel three weeks behind. And into that darkness comes a small but powerful light. When life burdens us with this idea that there's nothing more for for us in this world but sadness and grief, hope brings us something else. Hope brings us the gift of another to walk with us. Hope brings us that tiny light that gives us the tiniest courage to just take one more step forward. In those dark, almost unbearable moments, hope assures us that even if things never change, God is here. As people of Christian faith, we believe that nowhere is God's presence most clearly seen than in the person of Jesus Christ. God's incarnate word of love, grace, truth, and hope. hope that no matter how great the struggle, we are never alone. And so, my friends, I want us to resolve to do two things today. First, let us never pass up an opportunity to bear hope to the people around us. When you find yourself suddenly thrust into the hopeless despair of someone near you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to simply crawl in the hole with them. I'm not asking you to to pretend like you have all the answers or to stir up some incredible pep talk, you know, about the virtues of joy and sorrow. Just be willing, just be willing to be there, to remind them that God loves them, that you love them too. And that presence will bring hope into their darkness. And second, when you find yourself in your own deep darkness, remember that you too are not alone. Squint your eyes if you have to, right? Grab hold of the cross. Remember that even when it seems impossible, God's God's love in your life and in our world will always win. So may that journey to hope, real powerful life-giving hope, fill your Advent season, your whole life, and this whole wide world again and again. In the name of our Messiah, Jesus Christ.